0: Welcome to Palm Vista Community Church as this morning we continue our series in the letter of 2nd Timothy. The title of the series is Guard the Faith. And in today's text, God is going to be speaking to us really the main message of this letter, a letter written by an old preacher awaiting execution to a younger preacher needing encouragement. Paul is the author of this letter. He is in a prison in Rome when he writes it. And Timothy, the recipient of the letter, is a pastor in Ephesus, modern-day Turkey. Paul and Timothy had been friends. Paul really had been Timothy's mentor, uh, the one who discipled Timothy For almost 20 years, they had traveled together, they had preached the Christian faith together throughout the first century Mediterranean world. I'd like to show you this map to give you some context, because we always need the context for the letter, so we can understand how it applies, what the main message was then, how it applies to us now. Timothy was Paul's most trusted friend and ministry associate their ministry began around 48 AD. This letter was written around 63 to 65 AD. So this letter is written almost 20 years after they first started ministering together. And what they did is they started there in Antioch. If you see on the right where it says Syria, they started there in Antioch. And if you see that line there, they went, they went on the second missionary journey. And, and they preached the gospel. And they did wonderful things in the gospel. And the, the account of that is actually in our Bibles, up on the screen. Acts 16, 1-5 describes that time in around 48 AD when they first started working together. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. That's in modern-day Turkey. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He, Timothy, was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium, again, in modern-day Turkey. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith, and they increased In Numbers, daily. Timothy and Paul traveled together encouraging the churches with the gospel, the faith delivered to them by Jesus Christ. And now, 20 years later, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's encouraging Timothy to guard this faith that they've been preaching and teaching and building and establishing and strengthening churches with for the last 20 years. The message... This morning is entitled, Guardians of the Faith. Guardians of the Faith. And our text is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 13 to 18. So please turn there now, because it's very important that you see these words. It's very important that you read them with me, and as, as I preach them, that you see them and understand them. That's how God has revealed himself to us, through his word, by his spirit. And if you don't have a Bible, we've got some in the table back there, or if you forgot yours, just take a moment to go get one. And turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 13 to 18. Let's read God's call, not only to Timothy, but to us, to be guardians of the faith. That faith delivered to us by Christ Jesus. That faith that we just sang about just a few moments ago. Are you there? 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 13 to 18. Paul is talking to Timothy. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you, Timothy, have heard from me, Paul, in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Philegius and Hermogenes, May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. Are you familiar with the term, I have your back? What does that mean to you? To me, that means that if we're in something together, whether we're trying to win the Super Bowl, whether we're trying to start a company, whether we're trying to build a church, whether we're trying to do whatever, if I say I have your back, what I'm saying is I'm with you. I will not betray you. I will cover you when you're weak, and I hope you cover me when I'm weak. I have your back. And in essence, that's what Paul is saying. Do you have my back here? Because both of us have a mission to guard this faith that we've been preaching and living for 20 years. Guard the gospel. In fact, if you look at verse 14, the gospel is called called the good deposit. You see that? By the Holy Spirit, verse 14, who dwells within us, guard the good deposit. That's the gospel. That's the faith we have. The good deposit entrusted to you. That word good there can also be translated beautiful. The gospel is good. The gospel is beautiful. The gospel, dare I say, is a masterpiece. Now, imagine if you were tasked to guard a masterpiece. Now, you may not be into art, but certainly you can recognize beauty, and you would recognize a masterpiece. Now, imagine this. What if you were tasked to guard the Mona Lisa when it made one of its two trips outside of the Louvre every year to another museum? Can you imagine that? I mean, you've been entrusted to guard this masterpiece, the Mona Lisa, and you're sitting there in the truck, and there it is right next to you, the armored vehicle. You know, I mean, this would be crazy, but imagine if all of a sudden you looked at it and you said, you know what, this is a nice painting, but I think her dress should be blue. So you start, you know, get out your little brush, and I think there should be a little glass vase of flowers on the side. Well, well, of course not. That would be ludicrous. To think that your taste in art and your skill is greater than the original artist. You You would ruin that masterpiece. Well, that's what's happening here. Paul is saying, listen, we've got a masterpiece. We've been charged to guard it, not to change it. And friends, in the first century church, people were beginning to add a blue dress to the Mona Lisa and put little vases of flowers on the side. They were starting to add to the gospel. And you know what? It hasn't just ended with the first century, 21st century is the same. Or they, they want to take away something from the gospel. They want to adjust that masterpiece somehow to fit their lifestyle, their way of thinking. And, and God is saying to us, no, no, we're not called to change it or adjust it. We're called to guard it, to guard it with all that is in with, within us. And that's the main point of the text here. We're called to guard it, and we're called to have one another's backs. We're going to get into Onesiphorus in just a moment, but he's an example of someone that had Paul's back. And that really is the main message of this text up on the screen. Guard the faith as you serve the faithful. Guard the faith as you have each other's backs. Guard the faith as you serve the faithful. Point one, guard the faith. In verse 14b, I believe you have the thematic verse for the entire letter of 2 Timothy. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. This is that masterpiece that we've been talking about. This is, this is the Mona Lisa. This is the, the good, the beautiful deposit of Christ in us. This is, this is the gospel. Jesus Christ is the gospel. And if you're a guest here this morning, this is what we're talking about. Jesus, his life, he's God come in the flesh, his perfect life, that he lived for us, his sacrificial death on the cross for our sins, his resurrection from the dead to defeat death and to provide us forgiveness for our sins, his ascension into heaven where he rules and reigns. This is the gospel. This is the masterpiece that we are to guard. And it's a massive task. It's a massive task. It's a difficult task. And we need God, the Holy Spirit, to fulfill that task. And that's in fact what Paul says to Timothy. Look at verse 14a. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, comma, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. By the Holy Spirit that is within us. Guys, as I was praying for you, as I was thinking about this message, I just felt like God wanted to encourage you that it's not something that you do on your own. You may have good training You may be an airborne ranger or even a marine. You may be really skilled at these things. But the power to actually do it is by the Holy Spirit. And I sense that God wanted to encourage all of you. He wants to renew that sense and that experience with God the Holy Spirit. What God wants to do for us this morning is to to give us that that, that knowledge and assertion and, and faith that we can move toward Him Because he is in us by his grace, and it's a relational thing. It's not just a mental thing. I guard the gospel because I understand it perfectly. It's not less than that. But it's I guard the gospel because God has made a relationship with me, and I I run toward him. I I move toward him, and I move toward others as well. That'll be point two in the message. But it's, it's by the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. You see that in verse 13. Follow the pattern of the sound words. Sound words is the same as good deposit, which is the same as the Christian faith, which is the same as the gospel. They're all synonyms. Follow the sound words. That word sound, that that English word sound, is translated from a Greek word that can also be translated healthy. So what he's saying is, follow those sound words. He's saying, eat healthy food. If I want a healthy body, I eat healthy food. So today, when you watch the Super Bowl, don't eat the chips. Just eat tons of avocado, guacamole. Avocado's good for you. Some good fats there for you. Forget the carbs. All right, you can have a few chips. But but the point is that those sound words that you follow, ingest them, Timothy, so that you might be healthy. And we as a church might be healthy because we're the body of Christ. It's those sound words that make us healthy as a church. So how do you guard the gospel? By the power of the Holy Spirit. How do you guard the gospel? You follow, you ingest, you eat, you understand the sound words. The words that only make sense because the Holy Spirit gave us new life and a mind to understand them. He illuminates those words. So it's all of God, it's all through God, and it's back to God, but he uses us. He calls us to guard that gospel. As Corey mentioned, to ingest that word, to follow the sound words. But look at the second part of verse 13. That you have heard from me, that's the gospel, in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Jesus. The faith and love in Christ Jesus speaks of the right thinking toward God, the faith and love, and the right acting and thinking toward one another. The way we guard the gospel... Is that we understand it by the power of the Spirit. We we seek to, to study it and to and to, to apply it into our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's also in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So think of the faith as being sort of God word. Love is God word as well, but the love then propels us outward to one another. It, it's, we guard the gospel and thinking rightly about God and moving toward God and in relationship and love and seeking Him and praying together and fasting and all those things. But it's also moving toward one another. And that's point two. We guard the gospel as we serve the faithful. What what Paul is saying to Timothy here in point two, serve the faithful, is he's giving him two examples, one negative and one positive, of what it means to guard the gospel by serving the faithful. Am I clicking? I'm clicking in my ears. All right, it's just in my head. Happens a lot these days. So serve the faithful. That's the second part of guarding the gospel. My faith and love in Christ Jesus. I am moving and I'm I'm relating with God. It's a personal relationship and I'm relating to others in loving them. And he gives them these two examples. As a matter of fact, this appeal to Timothy is urgent for Paul. He's at the end of his life. And he tells him that there are those who are from Asia who have left me. Look at verse 15. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Philegius and Hermogenes. So what is he saying to Timothy? Here's what he's saying. Two guys named Philegius and Hermogenes. Probably, we don't know much about them, We know they have kind of funny names to us, but we don't know much about them. But this is what we do know. They were probably leaders. They were probably leaders in the church in Ephesus, and quite possibly, they were in Rome. And when they found out that Paul was in chains in Rome because of the gospel, and it was serious business, they were going to execute Paul, they and all of the other Asian in that sense, Asia at that time was Turkey, Christians in Rome, they abandoned Paul. They were ashamed of Paul. They they didn't want to go anywhere near. They didn't want to be associated with the guy that was about to die at the hands of Caesar because he was viewed as a traitor. So they left him. They left him. And he's saying to Timothy, that's the negative example. That's the one who was ashamed of me and thus ashamed of the gospel. Well, how can you say that, Al? How can you associate guarding the gospel, which is synonymous with not being ashamed of the gospel, with not being ashamed of the preacher of the gospel? Well, I can for a couple of reasons. The text allows me to do that. I'm going to look at that text in a moment. And also, logically, it makes sense. If you have my back, you don't abandon me when I get in trouble. All right, let's, let's see that connection. Look on the screen. We preached this last week. 2 Timothy 1.8. The Apostle Paul says this to Timothy. Therefore, you always want to ask yourself what that therefore is Therefore, To answer that question, listen to the sermon from last week. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Ah, here's a fifth synonym. Testimony about our Lord is the same as the gospel, the same as the Christian faith, the same as the sound words, the same as the good deposit. Therefore, do not be ashamed about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. There's the connection. There's a connection. I guard the gospel by not being ashamed of the testament about our Lord and not being ashamed of the preacher or other Christians, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Remember I told you last week that that little conjunction, but, is very important in scripture? That's a contrast. That's when the alarm bell should go off in your head. Let me pay attention. What's the contrast here? Here's the contrast. I can either be ashamed of the gospel by being ashamed of the testimony of our Lord and of his servants, or I can suffer for the gospel. That is reality. That's exactly what was happening here in this text that we're preaching today. You cannot say that I am not ashamed of the gospel if you are not serving the faithful, if you're ashamed of them, if you're fleeing from them. And so Paul says to Timothy, the negative example are these two guys that you know, Timothy, they're from the Ephesians church. They're here in Rome, but they're from the church. Now here's the positive example. This guy named Onesiphorus, look at verse 16, but may the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. So listen, he's from Asia. Remember, Turkey is Asia in Paul's mind there. He's from the church in Ephesus. He had served in the church in Ephesus. He somehow finds his way to Rome because he wants to encourage Paul. And unlike the other guys who left Paul, he stayed there with Paul. Here's the positive example of one who served the faithful. You know what's amazing, church? Onesiphorus was most probably a slave. That is a common name in the first century for slaves, now, let me just adjust that for a moment. He was probably what was called a freedman. Slavery in the first century was a little different. Rome would capture a, 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 a country, and then they would enslave those people and bring them to Rome to serve there as slaves. You didn't earn anything. So if you were an account- accountant, if you were a banker, maybe Onesiphorus was a banker you know, somewhere, I don't know, in, in southern Spain. Always got to bring in the Spaniards, right? Who knows? Sanctified imagination. And he's brought to Rome, or he's brought to somewhere, and he's a slave, but he's a good banker, and he makes money, and he's able to buy his freedom. He's a freedman, okay? So now he's a freed slave. So what's amazing is the positive example is a freed slave, because he served me. Onesiphorus had a household, which is another sign that he was a freedman, he had money to have a household. And he, he said to the household, listen, I know I served the church in Ephesus, I'm a deacon or an elder of the church here in Ephesus, I've served you, Timothy, but Paul, our brother, is in chains in Rome, and somehow we found out that they're probably going to execute him, I'm going to Rome. Dude, that was a long, long trip. Rome, Ephesus, about 1,300 miles apart. Back then, you couldn't just jump on a flight and get there in two and a half hours, that was a long, expensive trip. And his household said, yeah, go in a forest. Listen, we're, we're, we're behind you. Here's the money. Just take whatever. And when it says that he refreshed me, when Paul says he refreshed me, probably primarily it's just showing up. Imagine how refreshing it would be if you were in prison, in a cold prison in Rome, and all of a sudden, probably wouldn't hear that. You'd probably hear, <coughs> you like that? And you look up, and it's Onesiphorus. Would that refresh you? And maybe you're in prison in some prison up, I don't know, in like upper Canada somewhere, and it's winter, and you're freezing. And suddenly the suntan face of one of your friends in Miami shows up. They're cold, they're shivering. And they say, what are you doing here? I'm here to refresh you. And most likely he came bringing stuff. Because back then, when you were in prison, you didn't get three nice meals a day. and You didn't have cable TV and a gym to work out in. No, 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 no. They threw you in some dungeon somewhere. And if you ate anything, it wasn't much. And if people didn't bring you food, you might starve to death. Say, Paul, man, I'm here. At my expense. Because this is about the... I got your back. I got your back. And see, Paul's writing that to Timothy. Because Timothy is a little tempted... See, Paul's telling Timothy, when Onesiphorus came to Rome, he sought me out. It's in the text. Can you imagine seeking out a condemned murderer? Can you imagine seeking out the worst criminal in our culture today? And you say, Who are you, what are you here in Rome to do? I'm here to find Paul. Paul, you're his friend? The guy that they're going to kill pretty soon? Yeah, yes, he's my friend. Everybody else left him. Wasn't politically correct to go hang out with Paul. It's bad for your career to tell anybody I'm here seeking Paul. Onesiphorus says, I'm going to seek you and I'm going to find him. And people were looking at him funny and he probably wasn't, you know, uh, a charter member of any club in Rome. He probably was an outcast. No, I am with Paul and he sought him and he refreshed him. And Paul's saying to Timothy, this is what I'm talking about, Timothy, when I told you in 8 do don't be ashamed of the gospel or of me. Onesiphorus is the example. Don't be like those other guys. Be like Onesiphorus. And Timothy needed that encouragement in his life at that time. Came to refresh him. Came to bless him. Came to give him hope that God had not forgotten him. He came as an emissary of the very gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ. He came as a blessing. And when I think about guarding the gospel, what I think about are the Onesiphoruses today. And you know, as I think about the Onesiphoruses today, there are many in this church. I'm looking at many of you. Thank you. But you know, one kind of popped up in my mind kind of above others. I think just the Lord brought it to my mind. But, but I thought of Tim Kelso, actually Tim and Marianne Kelso. Um, like Forest, they took a long trip from Orlando, Florida to Miami, to a foreign land some 20 years ago. Um, and if you know anything about these guys, they are behind-the-scenes encouragers. They just show up. Yeah, that's, ha- that's like three-quarters of the deal, right, Tim? Just show up. <laughs> we, the older we get, the more we realize how true that is. <laughs> Uh, they just show up. But they show up with a lot. They show up with refreshment. They, they, they show up with blessings. They, they, they show up with their lives. They show up and, and make wonderful meals and, and help you with your uh, maintenance problems in your home. They just, they just show up and they encourage. There's many of you like that. And, you know, and I was just thinking about Paul prays mercy for Onesiphorus, both in verse 16 and then again in verse 18. May the Lord grant him mercy. On that day, may I mean, the Lord grant his household mercy. And I just want you to know, I, I want to, I pray the Lord grant you mercy. You know, their dear daughter is leaving for the Marine Corps tomorrow morning. Now I was in Nicaragua with her. She's going to be fine. Her drill instructor may be a little baffled, but she's going to be fine. Where's Mariah? She's climbing that mountain. Oh, but seriously, you know, I mean, we want to pray for them. Uh, may the Lord bless your household, your, da- your married daughters, your grandchildren. Why? Because this is what it means to guard the gospel. It's understand it. It's moving toward God by the power of the spirit, but it's moving toward one another by the power of the spirit. It's, it's a grace-based. It's motivated by Grace. My prayer is that we'd be a church full of anesophoricists who would be moving toward God by grace this week in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here to help us fast to pray, not just next week, but every week, every day. It's not self-effort primarily. It's the power of the Spirit. It's the joy of the Lord. But we cooperate with that Spirit. Corey's going to be talking about in the Grow 201 class. It's a synergism. It's both and, not either or. But the primary mover is the Holy Spirit. And I pray he fill you afresh and anew. That you might be anesiphoruses. That we might guard the gospel as we move toward God, as we move toward one another. And I believe God wants to refresh us in that church. That, that is, I think, God's desire for us this morning. He is here by his spirit to reorient us to God in Christ, that good deposit Those sound words, that gospel, that testimony about our Lord Jesus Christ, and then to animate that as we move toward him, as we move toward one another in serving. How how do we do that? What does that look like? What does that look like? Well, a a couple of examples. Uh, The woman who is interpreting this message in Spanish right now, who's back there, moved recently, Sabrina Sosa. And I know a, a bunch of you guys just went and helped her. I mean, it's refreshing. Just to show up, it's refreshing. You also kind of need to do a little work, right, Gary? (laughs) But that's what we're talking about. It could be as simple as babysitting, having a barbecue, hanging out together. Sometimes it's just showing up. Knock, knock, knock. Hi, I've been thinking about you. It it could be sending a text, picking up the phone, whatever people do these days. Instagram, Snapchat, yeah, I don't know, in a godly way. Just... Showing up, encouraging. It could be giving money. It could be buying a sack of groceries for people that you know that are hurting right now. It could be bearing their their burdens as you pray for the Kelsos. They are truly going to be empty nesters. Mariah, you saved them from the empty nester thing, but tomorrow that ends. Pray for Mariah. She sits on that bus and drives to South Carolina. Text. You know, I think of the Garcias, J.C. Garcia and Lucy. You know, JC had to take a job in Minnesota. Oof, there you go. Working, you know, on airplanes because he couldn't find a job here. He's got to provide for his family. It could be just have them in your heart and mind. Don't forget them. Travel to go see them if you can, but certainly today we can travel in many different ways, right? So, I don't know what it looks like for you, but I believe that's what God is calling us to do, and I also understand that it's hard to do that. I do. You may be sitting there like me thinking, "Lord, I want to be an Anesophorus, but sometimes I find myself more like a Hermogenes. It's just inconvenient for me. You know, you know, abandoning someone doesn't necessarily mean we say things badly about them. We just forget them. They just go to the periphery of our lives. We forget that they're hurting. Their faith may be challenged. And God may have a word that you have. your quiet time today could help feed someone. But you've you got to make the effort to reach out. More than just hey, how you doing? As you're passing in the hallway, like let's go meet somewhere, like a community group, or a prayer meeting, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So that we are anessa forces. Why? Because we're guarding the gospel, the gospel that saved us. The spirit that's in us is moving us in that direction. This week, we've got that opportunity. We can be in those prayer meetings together. We can encourage one another. This is what I encourage you. After the prayer meeting, since there won't be any snacks, (laughs) sit down and talk to somebody. I mean, like, really talk to them. You know what I loved about yesterday? Is you had people. You had people, I I, I took pictures of it, who were sitting and talking for, for a long time. Or they were playing volleyball and laughing together. Or they were eating good food together. We've got to make an effort to make those connections because God's connected us to one another. Why? So that we can guard the gospel. In a moment, I'm going to close in prayer, and then the the worship team's going to join me. I just want to pray that if God is moving you in that direction, instead of coming up front here and praying with us, during that song we're going to sing, grab somebody, if the Lord leads you, and say, could you pray for me? I find myself a little more like Hermogenes than Onesiphorus, and I'd like the Lord to fill me afresh, that I move toward him in faith and move toward others in love. Let's pray. Worship team, please join me. Lord, I thank you for your grace, that grace that called us when we were running as far and as fast as we could get away from you. Lord, I pray that that grace would move us as a church to guard the good deposit, the sound words, the beautiful, beautiful deposit. That we would not try to change the masterpiece, adding our little flourish, our little little signatures to it. But rather, Lord, we would just simply communicate it and live it and love you by your spirit and your truth. And we would move toward one another as Onesiphorus, move toward Paul in his imprisonment, not ashamed of one another, not ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, but choosing to suffer for the gospel. Lord, give us that grace this morning. Lord, I pray that when we stand, that you would make connections this morning, even some that were begun yesterday. People that wouldn't normally say, hey, can you pray for me? Or I just felt like the Lord leading me to pray for you and just slide up to one another. And just, if nothing else, just let me just pray for you. It doesn't have to be a long conversation. But just that touch, that prayer, that refreshment, just showing up. Say, hey, I know you. I know we've hardly ever talked, but I actually know you're a human being. I recognize you. You're my brother, my sister in Christ. I love you. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that would happen throughout this building this morning. I pray it would happen this week. I pray that you would bring that into our community groups, to our youth meetings and singles, equip singles in college and career meeting. Lord, just bring it to every time we gather. Put it on our hearts, Lord, to guard the gospel in this way. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Let us sing, All I Have is Christ.